0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Degree of Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. I appreciate you rocking me wherever gets you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of that good stuff. Make sure to subscribe, share, and rate five stars. You guys have been doing a great job with that, so I appreciate you. Happy Labor Day weekend uh, to everyone. Hope everyone had a safe, fun, and everything laid back kind of weekend last week. I know I had a... T- ton of food, but uh, I digress, and uh, I'm only going to be able to do one podcast this week, guys, simply because I'm going on vacation uh, at the end of this week, so I'm taking uh, Thursday and Friday off and in, so it's going to be rough for me to get the podcast in, but I had to make sure that the one podcast we get this week is a good one, and so I'm going to welcome in our next guest here, Dan Zampano, aka DJ Z from Grind Time (laughs) Sports. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. You guys do a great job over there at Grind Time, and I'm happy to talk a little bit of
1: football with you. Aaron, I mean, it, this has been, like, way too long. I mean, I, this goes back to, like, Southern Connecticut State days, doing SCSU TV. Like, this goes way back. So I am so happy to be on the show.
0: No, absolutely. And I said happy to have you on. And Dan is one of those guys that you can, you can say this and I can say this. Um, we, we can get along. I'll put it that way. Dan and I can get along. Dan is a New England Patriot fan, a diehard New England Patriot fan, and all you guys know I'm a diehard New York Jets fan. But you know, we we're pretty good. We're pretty amicable, wouldn't you say?
1: I, I listen. We, we had different upbringings. Let's put it that way. And we and we certainly we certainly have come to an impasse about this stuff. And, and I appreciate talking to the Jets fans, especially because I come in, people say I we I talk down to them. Listen, I am the hardest. Hardest on the Patriots and probably any fan that they have, I will I will excoriate them off the face of the planet if they do something wrong. But it's nice to come together and talk to people that are not Patriots fans that aren't as like kind of psychotic as those Boston diehards. So and, and of course we we've matched up pretty good in the past. So I I love it more when we talk about the Knicks because then you get really ramped up about the Knicks. But you know what? It's it's great to talk to you again, and, and we'll talk plenty of football as we go on.
0: Oh, absolutely. And one thing I will say about that: the Patriots don't do much wrong so you don't got to get too worked up a few times but I wanted to get your starting right into things talking NFL the NFL kicks off on Thursday Bears against the Packers I'm really excited I got Aaron Jones on my fantasy team you know fingers crossed here I need I'm gonna need a lot of love out of that but one thing (laughs) I wanted to touch on just to kick things off was what was your reaction to Andrew Luck's retirement because I said I had a podcast last week talking a little bit about Andrew Luck's retirement but I want to get your thoughts on that
1: uh, back, uh, I think it was the Bush administration that did uh, an Iraq war. They called it shock and awe, And that's exactly what the whole Andrew Luck situation had me in a complete shock. I got a text message from somebody because I had looked at my phone for about an hour driving home, and I just saw somebody texted me saying Luck is retiring. I'm like, get out of here. Luck is retiring. That's no way that's happening. And sure enough, there it goes, and, and it goes down. And it had to be a shock, of course, to obviously all of Indianapolis to have that happen as well. Uh, losing their franchise quarterback especially in a year in which they were set up to really take over the AFC I think that that was uh, a team that a lot of people were picking as a sleeper dark horse right behind probably Kansas City and New England to make the Super Bowl so uh, as far as the reaction from me I mean of course it's shocked throughout the entire NFL and shocked through me but you know, I, I think it really, really uh, is, is going to make this season a little bit more challenging for the Colts. Personally, to me, I didn't think that they actually were going to be that team to lift over. I just didn't see it that way. A lot of people did. I didn't see it that way to the point that they were going to re- get over the hump and get to the AFC Championship and maybe even get to the Super Bowl. But it just makes it that much harder now, especially with a team that was so set up and well-balanced around them.
0: And you talked about it before, and it's the truth. A lot of people did pick the Colts to try and make that run, maybe sneak in over the Patriots and over the Chiefs. And when you look at Andrew Luck, he's the type of quarterback that you would expect to be in that position. But once the the injury started to take its toll and just the the rehab started to take its toll and he walks away from the sport, now the Colts are kind of left looking around. And Jacoby Brissett got his money, I believe it was a Mm. two-year deal, three-year deal, over the last 24 hours. But still, do you have any faith? In the Colts with Jacoby Brissett. Well, Jacoby Brissett, you're right, gets his
1: money, fifteen million dollars, so he is the guy for the next two years. That's basically what they're what they're saying. Doesn't not give them any room to you know go out and draft a quarterback later. But as far as this year goes, they do also sign veteran Brian Hoyer. Now, where did Brissett and Hoyer? What do they have the the uh, the similarity between? They both are from New England, so they both were in that system. They won't understand it and they both actually were able to maybe have some time together as well. So I think that's a good veteran to have behind him. Jacoby Brissett, you know, listen, when he came in for New England a couple of years ago and came in a couple of years ago for Luck, too, he wasn't that bad of a backup quarterback. It's not a terrible backup quarterback to have. Now he's thrust into that starting role. Can he get the development? The thing he's got to work on is not holding the ball so long. He has a lot of turnovers and be able to get that ball and read read the routes that are coming to him quickly and read that defense, if he can do that, that they can survive some of this. Maybe they get to 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, uh, type of season. I think that could very easily, with the pieces around him, go around it. But as far as luck is concerned, I mean, you got to blame 90% of that situation on Ryan Gregson. I mean, to not to not have an offensive line around the guy for the first seven, six years of his of his career. I mean, the guy hasn't had a full season in, what, four or five years. So, you know, that's a terrible situation. But look... Rossette's got all the pieces around him. What can he do with them and, and how can he develop as a quarterback? That's what we gotta wait and see. The Andrew Luck situation, kind of. you
0: talk a little bit about how the offensive line really didn't get built around him. They didn't even really start doing anything until they drafted Quentin Nelson in his past mm-hmm. draft. But uh, And he had a great year, Pro Bowler and everything. But yep. it reminded me a lot of when the Houston Texans first came into the NFL. And David Carr was back there, and David Carr didn't have really anyone to block for him. And he got absolutely just knocked around, and it really ruined his career in a lot of ways. But one thing I want to ask you, Dan... Is when you look at players like Andrew Luck and like you know the tight end that you guys had over there in New England, Rob Gronkowski, these guys that are retiring early and retiring in their prime. Patrick Willis is another name that you think about. What do you think the NFL is really one doing about the situation, and two, how do you think players are looking around the league and saying, you know, maybe
1: I don't need to take this beating? I don't think the league is going to do much about it until it really starts affecting them in their pockets, to be quite honest with you. And, and, you know, to have a star like Gronkowski and a star like Luck go out before they're 30 years old. I mean, uh, you know, there's got to be something around it that might concern them. Does it start a trend? Look at Telvin Smith this year. Telvin Smith also, in really the prime of his career down in Jacksonville, retires basically because of contract negotiations, yes, but at the same time, needing that mental break. I mean, you see guys do this in contract negotiations, with Le'Veon Bell, the situation. Melvin Gordon's in the kind of the same situation with the contract stuff. But as far as injuries piling up and taking mental breaks, I think that that's something that people are starting to recognize that now. And, and these old-time 70s guys, these 80s guys, that'll tell you – they're just not tough. No, they're just not stupid. I think that they have kind of a little bit more of sense of the concussion issue is a big thing. Do you want to have all these nagging injuries into your 60s, 70s? Uh, You're going to be able to walk at that time. I mean, like Gronkowski was talking about how he had a liter of blood drained out of his leg at, at the night of the Super Bowl and was crying in bed. I mean, that's not something that you necessarily want to have to go through as a human being. Now, we as fans, obviously, I think it takes a little bit of a toll on us and says, well, we kind of want our players to be all in for football or that's it, you know, but Andrew Luck is not that, is, is not that type of guy where he's, he has a lot of other things going for him. Gronk has a lot of other things going for him. where football might, not, might have acted or seemed like the first love, but it's not the be-all and end-all of your life, and you have to have that balance a lot. Tony Dungy talks about that a lot, too. Tony Dungy's a great guy to listen to. If you ever listen to him on like these podcasts, talk about outside of outside of football things. Don't make football the first thing in your life. And some of these guys are recognizing that. Yeah, and that's something
0: that's got to be a culture shock because we, we hear this all the time, this gladiator sport, the gladiator mentality that these guys play with where, you know, they're banged up, but they still got to go out there and play. And for a lot of these players, football has been that first love. They've been playing the sport since they were children. Now they're grown men and they have to make a decision on do I still want to you know have a good life, quality of life. 10 15 years down the road my dad actually played high school football with a guy named Johnny Cooks Johnny Cooks was the number 2 overall draft pick for the uh, New York Giants I believe back in in the 80s and he talks about how Johnny Cooks is holding up now and you know in his in his early 60s and it's and its really kind of rough to see he's talking about back pain and neck pain and all these Things that he's he suffered while playing in the NFL. And so I think, like you said, Dan, a lot of these guys are starting to look a little bit more into that and looking more into, you know, this is great now. But what about 10, 15, 15, 20 years down the line?
1: Absolutely, I think the the cases of guys like Mike Webster at Old Center for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys like that that you know, die early. Guys, that mental health is a big thing. We obviously know about the Junior sayout situation. I think that's something that guys are really starting to recognize now, especially in this day and age where mental health is is, is so. I mean, we all go through stuff, obviously, but with the, it comes repeated, repeated after hits, after hit, after hit, after hit. I think that is something that they obviously need to take a look on. I mean, Gronkowski has, has six back surgeries. Luck has a lacerated kidney, a torn labrum. I mean, what these guys go through, and I think a lot of the underreported injuries that these guys go through, we don't see as fans. And I think as fans, we can be a little rabid sometimes. But it is a great game. I, I can't take that away. And and, and, I, and I hope that the game itself and at its core stays the same. Uh, obviously, the protections, and I'm sure we'll talk about some helmet issue that might arise later on in this program. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I I think that the protections that they're taking are are good steps to, to, to helping recede that tide of, you know, maybe retiring early.
0: Well, Dan, I want to touch on something and you talked a little bit about while you were making your point when it comes to the gladiator sport and and protecting some of these players and some of these players actually stepping away from the game. And one player that's up in the air right now, and there are rumors it was supposed to maybe a deal get done this weekend, but Ezekiel Elliott down in Dallas. Now, Zeke is going kind of the way of Le'Veon Bell, where he's taking the time off and holding out to make sure he gets his money. But, you know, I've heard rumors of a six year, 90 million dollar deal or or something along that effect do you think a deal with Ezekiel Elliott will get done before the season I actually do now that I'm hearing
1: a lot of this stuff and, and, and a lot of the reports for today were today were like you said six years 90 million dollars I think a lot of the deal has to deal with at what point the money is guaranteed and how the contract is structured he flies back from Cabo after having the wonderful two weeks off and blah 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 he comes back to Dallas today you know, I think that now that the ball is rolling, and I know as 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 sad as that will make some of your Tony Pollard drafted fantasy guys, you know, as sad as that will make them, you know, the guys that drafted Zeke Elliott in the first, first round, I think they'll be pretty pleased with that. So I, I think that Zeke Elliott is at the point. Forget all the Jerry Jones, you know, Zeke who and all this stuff. I mean, Jerry's negotiated this, but... Jerry did this back with Emmitt Smith back in the 90s, and he lost out. At that time, he's going to lose out this time. He's going to pay him, and he'll probably be the highest-paid running back in the league.
0: And it's funny you bring up that Emmitt Smith situation. I believe the Cowboys started 0-2. Jerry gave Emmitt the money, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. So That's right. This Dallas team, obviously they're set up pretty solidly in, in the NFC East. Now, I'm not a believer in the Cowboys. I've never been. They, they, just, they just fall flat on their faces, but... Do you think this incarnation of the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, with uh, Amari Cooper, and now possibly with Ezekiel Elliott under contract and happy as potentially the highest-paid running back in the NFL, do you think this team with maybe a new set of triplets can actually make some noise in the NFC?
1: Absolutely. I think they can make some noise. The degree of noise is what we need to get at and get understanding. Look, this team obviously – look, they a, a – a couple of stops away from an NFC championship appearance last year. I mean, Dak Prescott, again, they win a playoff game last year I mean it's not like they haven't been relevant you know for the last couple of years of course they can make some noise the problem with them is that can they stay consistent I think consistency is key with Dallas and depth is key with Dallas especially in that secondary I think that's a tough spot look we can talk about the offensive pieces all you want we know they got an offensive line they know they got a great receiver in Cooper and some good backups they know they have a a serviceable quarterback in Dak Prescott I will call him a serviceable quarterback but it really comes back to that defense. And we know they've invested a lot in the front seven, DeMarcus Lawrence. They get Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch, those two great linebackers. Uh, what do they have in the secondary? That's, that's really kind of one of my concerns. I know they got guys like Awuzie and, and Byron Jones and, and guys like that that have been really solid for them. But can it be consistent? And, and to me, I think it would probably warrant, again, maybe not a division win, but I could certainly see them making the wild card.
0: And one thing that you touched on, you touched on a little bit with Dak Prescott, and I'm not a big Dak Prescott fan either. And you call him a serviceable quarterback. Do you think, one, he can take that step to, you know, be that next best quarterback in the, uh, in the NFC? And also, do you pay Dak Prescott? Do you think Jerry Jones is going to go ahead and uh, open up the wallet there for the quarterback down there?
1: Well, he already did open up the wallet. $30 million offer was really the, 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 the thing that he had on the table. And to, to, uh, it's an insult. Listen, Dak, great. You, you've done pretty good so far. It's fantastic. It's an insult to, f- say, $40 million. I mean, that's just an insult to intelligence of, of, of Jerry Jones and, and what he's able to do with his team. Dak Prescott is serviceable. Dak Prescott is also very replaceable. Think about who they replaced. Dak Pres- who, who Dak Prescott replaced. He replaced an injured Tony Romo. What round did Dak Prescott go in? Oh, that's right. He went in the third or fourth round out of Mississippi State. What, what round did Tony Romo go in when he, when he replaced Drew Bledsoe? Oh, that's right. He was undrafted out of Eastern Illinois. The guy is a replaceable guy. And the most powerful word in, the, in a GM's pocket is no. If the Cowboys, if this is a $40 million deal that's a no Dutch, I'm sorry, I'm taking the risk of letting him play out this year, see what he does. If he performs, maybe you do pay him. Maybe not $40 million, but you do pay him. But if he doesn't uh, and you still want $40 million, sorry, buddy, you can see the door.
0: And, Dan, one thing I want to get your, your take on, too, and this is something that's been kind of boiling me up. Yes, I'm a Jets fan, and yes, we got to deal with uh, the, the comparison sometimes to our quarterbacks. But when you look at a team like Cleveland this year, Cleveland's got all the weapons. They look real, the sexy pick of this year. But I don't, I don't believe Cleveland. I don't believe the hype behind Cleveland. I don't think they're going to be, you know, this amazing 14-2 and two team that everyone thinks they're going to be. Where do you see the Cleveland Browns coming into this season?
1: Well, listen, Cleveland's got a lot of talent. There's no question about that. when you bring Odell Beckham in the next to Jarvis Landry, you know I think obviously Odell I think makes all the players around him better. I think when they get Kareem Hunt off of suspension, I think that'll make their running back a lot deep, uh, running game a lot deeper. My question is with them, even though they bring in some guys like Vernon and Sheldon Richardson on the on the defensive line, they got Denzel Ward back there. What's the status of their offensive line? what, what is? How are they going? To be able to maneuver a really tough uh, couple of defensive front like a like a Denver or somebody like that, a New England who plays really good defense, even the Jets who have two really solid defensive tackles in the middle. I mean, they have they have they have, they have issues on that on that part. And the other thing that it is, there's a lot of ego in those rooms, isn't it? I mean, and for a rookie head coach to have to deal with all those egos, the Baker Mayfields, the Jarvis Landry's, the Odell Beckham's you know, all over the place, Uh, listen, and Sheldon Richardson included in that one, that team is going to have to balance that very, very delicately if they want to go anywhere. But should they be a playoff team? Uh, Look, with the talent on their roster, on paper, maybe they should be a football team. But talent can easily be usurped by culture. And what kind of culture does the Cleveland Browns have this year to get them over the hump? And, and have everybody believe in the hype train, we're really going to find out. Uh, I, to me, I personally, I can see them in the playoffs, though. I definitely can see them and I can see them challenging Pittsburgh and Baltimore for those two spots. See, and the one
0: thing that I look at, and you touched on it too, Freddie Kitchens and his as a rookie head coach having to deal with all of those egos and all of those, uh, let's just say, prima donnas in, <laughs> in some ways. Because I look at Odell Beckham Jr., I look at Jarvis Landry. Yes, they've played together for some time and they're go- good friends, but you know it's really going to start to snowball a little bit if they don't start producing on the field and start getting some wins. And that is the most and – and, you know – be if you agree with me here or not but i think that's the most volatile locker room in the
1: nfl this year i can i can't disagree with you maybe the one in oakland might might challenge it but you know still i think it's volatile in the sense that it could get really high up i mean they they, they could have a really solid locker room but they also could have a really detrimental locker room. And if the players start turning on kitchens, especially Beckham, I think this starts with Beckham and ends with Beckham. Beckham is still talking about the Giants in the offseason. I mean, if Beckham turns, that whole locker room will have issues, especially, and it's, wow, isn't it going to put Jarvis Landry in a in a difficult spot thereafter? Really, we see him kind of be the leader of the veteran wide receivers, didn't really have a, a great year last year, but still, I mean, he's kind of the cog in the wheel, Beckham, to see where that goes. Look, they got a little talent in the world. you got to be able to maximize that talent. You only do that by coaching and culture. And I think that that's what Freddie Kitchens has to navigate and John Dorsey as well.
0: Well, another thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about here, Dan, talking with Dan Zimpano of Grind Time Sports. And, Dan, You touched on Odell Beckham and his former team now. They've tried to take some steps here, maybe a rebuild, maybe a half rebuild, but you look at Daniel Jones. First of all, what do you think of Daniel Jones from what you've seen? It's only been the preseason, but what do you think of Daniel Jones and when do you think he will come up and take over the controls and take over the reins from Eli Manning? Oh, you know, I'm just
1: blindly looking at it like everybody else. I said, this guy's a Hall of Famer. We should just give him the jacket right now. I mean, it's incredible. He might be better than Phil Simms and Eli Manning combined. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the praise that this guy has gotten for st- I heard Sean O'Hare the other day on the NFL Network tell me specifically, tell tell the entire world that Daniel Jones has solidified the sixth pick in the draft already. I heard that, During too, and I couldn't what? believe it. Doing what, exactly? The playing against the twos in preseason? I mean, yes, he's made some great throws. He's been efficient against the twos in preseason. I mean, we need to pump the brakes on this guy immediately. I, 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 look, Daniel Jones could turn out to be the best quarterback in this draft because this is a very weak draft class to me personally in the quarterback draft class. But... God Almighty, we need to stop the comparisons uh, with Eli. This man hasn't, this kid hasn't done anything yet, and I don't want to criticize him because, you know, he hasn't done anything yet. He's already gotten criticized enough of even being drafted. So let's see what the Giants have personally. I'm not entirely sure what the Giants are going to do defensively or outside of Saquon Barkley offensively this year. So, Let's see how the kid develops. Let's see if he actually gets a chance to play. I hope that he would actually be able to play and they could develop him. Because that's really what the Giants do need. They need him to play.
0: I mean, I think that the Giants are going to eventually go to him, though. Yeah, You got to think, because Eli's not going to be able to play, I think, at a decent level this season. He's old. He can't really move back there. They're going to pin their ears back because you know they're going to put eight or nine in the box trying to stop Saquon Barkley. And so Mm -hmm. Eli's going to get exposed a little bit. So I expect you know Daniel Jones to play probably by about week five or six. Would do you see him you know maybe early later? Do you see him getting in at all, or do you want him to get in?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a question of it's it's not a question of what I want. It's a question of what Gettleman and Mara want. I think that's the that's the whole crux of the issue here is that John Minner's already said in, an, in a perfect world, an ideal season that Daniel Jones wouldn't start one game this year and that Eli would start sixteen, and and. If that's your ideal situation, then, oh, boy, look, you might be having another top ten, top five pick next year. I mean, outside of Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, this team really doesn't have any weapons offensively. Golden Tate's hurt. I'm sorry, uh, suspended. Sterling Shepard is hurt. I mean, uh, what excites you about this team? I just i don't see really anything that could possibly excite me outside of Saquon Barkley about this team. I do think that Daniel Jones will probably – get the chance to start just based on the New York media. I, I just, the they will hammer him. the radio waves. We've heard it for our whole lives on WFAN and all the rest of them. They will push the Maras to do something about Eli if they really struggle, which they probably will. So I expect to see Gainer go to some point in the midseason.
0: That's pretty much kind of how I'm looking at it, too, because I don't think there's any way that the Giants, especially, like you said, in in New York City, are going to get away with starting Eli Manning all 16 games, especially – if and when they start losing. I will say, though, on a uh, personal note, it feels really good to have the best team in New York City at, uh, <laughs> with the Jets. So I will, I will have to say Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. It's been a long time coming. 27 years on this earth. This might be the first time <laughs> I've seen that happen. But, you know, we're bouncing around a little bit here, Dan, but I wanted to get your take on a few more topics before I go into your picks, because you know I had to put you on the spot with some playoff teams and how you think the season's going to shape up in the, uh, in the postseason. So one thing that I'm at least a little bit touchy on, I'll say, is this new rule that they have put in, the pass interference rule. You can, you know, challenge pass interference. And this is stemming from a potential uh, non-championship that you guys would have had, because I definitely don't think <laughs> that the Patriots would have beat Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints if that call in the NFC title game would have been made correctly. What are your thoughts on the pass interference rule and and, and do you think it's going to cause some issues when people actually have to you know flag a pass interference? What's ruled a pass interference? What's ru- not ruled a pass interference? Like It just seems like there's a lot of murky stuff that's going to go on here, and it's going to cause for even more controversy at the end of the day.
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you something. First off, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if the Patriots would have beaten the Saints. But second <laughs> off, I think that um, the pass interference rule so far in the preseason from what we've seen, Seems to have been had a little bit of effect and say, all right, like maybe we could take advantage of this rule a little bit more. And I think that so far, the way it's been called and the way it's been reviewed, there hasn't really been anything egregious. Now, that was an egregious call, and that was an extreme event that happened in a very high pressure situation, and this will be rid of it. I am not so concerned yet. I'd like to see how they call it in the regular season. If they do it the same way they have done it in the preseason when the level of play is a little bit down. This is going to be a lot more fast-paced when a lot of the starters are playing for a longer period of time. A lot of hand fighting going on. How much, how much will coaches risk challenging plays early in the game, second quarter, third quarter, you know, uh, how much will they risk on these pass interference calls? I wonder, because they are big calls. I mean, you do get the amount of yards you get off of a pass interference wherever the spot of the ball is, so it's not like college. Uh, Something that's really been crazy, though, about this preseason is the amount of holding calls that have been called. I mean, they have really ramped up the holding calls tremendously. That's something that I'm actually going to look and see, Well, is this going to be causing a major issue, and are we going to have an uptick in that?
0: What are your thoughts on the officiating and how it's been done? Because obviously the officials have been taking a lot of criticism over the last, you know, twelve months, if not even longer. But what do you think the NFL, uh, as far as officiating is concerned, how do you think they've gone about, you know, performing in these games? Because we've seen a lot of games where you know some officials make some solid calls. We've seen some games where some officials really kind of, you know, in a in a bad way. Have the game go into their hands. So, how do you think that things have gone as far as officiating is concerned in the NFL?
1: Look, we all know the big plays that have caused. College- maybe cost teams game, but the, the Dez caught at play and uh, you know, obviously uh, last year in the NFC championship game, but I can think of one know, in I'm, the
0: Meadowlands with the Jets and the Patriots. I'm just gonna say it was in a regular season <laughs> game, but I still never got over that. I don't understand how <laughs> Austin Safari Jenkins fumbling the ball at the one yard line ended up being your ball. Bo- I don't continue. I'm sorry, Dan.
1: Listen, listen, hey that's that that was what over we're not gonna get into this because we'll be on for hours. But this is uh but that one, uh, again, you know, I think overall though the officiating has been generally okay. But they're going to make some, they're going to make some bad calls here and there. There's going to be ticky cat calls here and there. This is why the challenge rules in effect. I, again, like I said before, it's going to be how much do the coaches want to risk challenging this? The we're obviously very trigger happy to have people happy, and you know, it, it's going to change the rules. The way they're going to change the rules. And as long as it's, it remains consistent and you know, kind of the, the shape of the game still kind of stays the same, I think the officials are doing a decent job.
0: Decent is a nice way of putting it. I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll defer to you on that because I have some uh, some thoughts there about the officials, and I don't I don't mean I get it. It's a hard game to officiate,
1: but. Eh, you got to do better but I w- well, it's like in basketball it's the same thing you know yeah. like how many like what's a foul you know i mean it's, it's what's a traveling violation it's it's, you know i think the nfl probably does a better job than the nba I, i'll tell you that i will agree with you wholeheartedly
0: there i will absolutely because the nba officiating is just it, it it shouldn't even be they need to go to robots before mlb does <laughs> but when you talked about a team that possibly could be a little bit more of a volatile situation than in Cleveland. It's the Oakland Raiders. And you know, John Gruden is there. You got Chucky there. You got Derek Carr who's always kind of had this mantle on his shoulders, but he hasn't performed outside of that one season. You bring in uh, a crazy personality like Antonio Brown. And we've already seen how that's worked out with with the feet and then again with the with the helmet issue. So where do you look at Oakland and that whole crazy situation i mean al davis is somewhere smiling looking down
1: on the raiders oh my god i think i think crazy is 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 to put it lightly i think that's kind of what it is i mean uh, look uh, the way the raiders are structured right now the raiders went out spent a ton of money on free agents obviously brown was involved in this in this big trade that they didn't have to give up enough for look john gruden we know for years i mean You know, we've known that he is offensive-heavy. He's offensive-minded, and and he's going to do whatever he can to get offensive players on. I mean, look at what they did with the 53-man roster. They have all these guys here, uh, Brown, Williams, Hunter Renfro, they're excited about. They bring in Trent Brown from the Patriots to to play left tackle. They bring in Richie Incognito, of all people. I mean, good night. Uh, Look, you've got a lot of happy personalities what on earth do they have back there on defense i mean they have a bunch of unproven guys like Arden key and mo hurst and they sign brandon marshall a linebacker from the broncos get him for a third round pick and then cut him i mean it, i just uh, i don't really understand some of the logic here that they're that they're going through it's 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 kind of mind-boggling to tell you the truth but they're the Raiders and they're going to look they have a very good chance of being offensively very sound but you know who was offensively very sound last year? The Tampa Bay Bucks were like the number one passing offense in the league last year. So do you, what do you want to be? You want to be New England or you want to be Tampa Bay? And, and right now, Oakland is currently, I think, on the, on, on the scale is probably tipping more towards the Tampa Bay side for this season.
0: And staying in the AFC West, one team that is obviously standing out more than any other team in that division. Maybe San Diego's there uh, halfway, but it's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look at Kansas mm. City, and, I mean, they're stacked, they're loaded, the, whatever adjective you want to use to describe that team. And you it all starts at the quarterback with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, reigning MVP – Do you see Patty Mahomes having another MVP caliber season this year, and maybe giving uh, Kansas City that extra mm to get over the hump?
1: See, I see. Here's the thing about the Chiefs. It's funny. Pat Mahomes absolutely could have an MVP type season. If he has, like, if he digresses by ten percent, he could have an MVP type season from what he had last year. But I personally don't care anything about what the Chiefs' offense does this year. They're going to be good no matter what. They're going to have they have and they have uh, Travis Kelsey, they have all those weapons back for Mahomes to have, Damian Williams, they just signed LaShawn McCoy, I mean, they, they even added a really good rookie out of Georgia, Michael Harvin. I don't care about that, I care about the defense, and who did Kansas City bring in to coach that defense? None other than the Patriot killer himself, Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Giants of yesteryear, who coached those Giants teams to rush for Interior pressure on Tom Brady. They did this very much on purpose because they know who they're going to face. They know who they're going to have to go through to be able to get to the Super Bowl. Because look, think about that team. They were down fourteen nothing at halftime, and, and they scored thirty one points in the second half, and, and barely lose to this team. And and uh, at home, I mean, they were they were a couple of pair plays away from getting back to the Super Bowl. So you know, this is this is the year. This has been 50 years now for the Chiefs. Wouldn't it be sweet for them to get back to the Super Bowl 50 years to the day Lenny Dawson and Hank Stram got there and beat the Vikings back in uh, 1969? That would be incredible.
0: Hey, that's one of my favorite NFL films. Hank but chicken laying the ball down the field. Gentlemen, one of my <laughs> all time favorite ones. And you were there actually for the AFC championship game this past year out in Kansas City. And not to put you on the spot, but when you saw that team, when, when you saw the eye test and like you said, they had a, a, a pretty hard first half. But what were some of the things that looking at that team that you kind of sat back and said, maybe we'll be seeing them a couple more times?
1: Uh, obviously Mahomes. I think Mahomes was the most impressive thing that I saw out there in Kansas City when uh, just during the game, making some of these plays with no angle on a throw and just being able to fit it in. Uh, so these sideline throws, the ability, he, he's like Gumpy. I mean, he, is like, he can just have so much torque on his arm, and he's so aware of his surroundings, and he really adjusted after the first half where the Patriots really played well on him. Patriots, best thing they did was take away Tyreek Hill, but one of the Chiefs' main problems was their secondary. I mean, Eric Berry was on his last legs. What do they do? They bring in Tyron Matthew. They lose D. Ford and Justin Houston. What do they do? They bring in Alex Okafor and they bring in Frank Clark from Seattle. They replaced wise guys. Chris Jones is back there in the defensive front. They are a little bit deeper, a little bit nicer there on the front seven, and they got a little bit more of a hard hitter who's more youthful in Matthew to replace Barry. I think that team, again, Spagnola's defensive prowess is what's going to make the difference for them if they're going to be able to beat New England. I think that's a big key that people are not really talking about because of the Mahomes situation.
0: Well, Going back into the final thing I have here before we go into your playoff teams and division winners across the league, and I saved the uh, I guess, the quote unquote, the best for last. But is New England going to take a step back at any point this season? I mean, it's no one defeats Father Time, and yes, Tom Brady is in an incredible bout with Father Time, but no one wins. Gronk is gone, you got Brady still aging. The Patriots are going to not have, you know, Patrick Chung is not going to be there, most likely. But just at the the end of the day, there's no way that they can continue this level of success, is there? You're
1: asking the wrong guy. (laughs) You're You're asking the wrong guy that question. I mean, listen, by level of success, you mean they get back to the Super Bowl? I mean, listen. They are the unquestionable favorite. Uh, They are clearly the unquestionable favorite. And personally, look at the team last year. They were an 11-5 team. They've lost a couple of games to Jacksonville and Detroit in September. They go out and they lose on a crazy play to Miami and then lose at Pittsburgh in December. That wasn't a typical Patriots team. Remember, we were burying them. We were burying them. They couldn't win the playoffs. We were burying them so much last year. And look what they were able to accomplish. They only got deeper and better defensively this year. And one of the things that they, they were able to do as well on the offensive end is they've kind of shuffled around their offensive line because of a couple of injuries, but they've just traded up and upgraded a lot of those those guys. Wide receiver. Wide receiver is where they're going to win here. Wide receiver and running back. They have a ton of weapons at wide receiver and big guys. You normally are used to the Julian Edelmans and, and the uh, Wes Welkers. they got big Big physical wide receivers. Demarius Thomas, who people were throwing off the shelf, had a great preseason game. But, again, he's a big physical wide receiver that can block. Josh Gordon, another big physical wide receiver, reinstated. If he stays on the team level here, he can block. Nikhil Harry, they drafted him the first round. Big physical wide receiver that can block. They're going to be running the football most of the season, I think. I think they'll take it out of, out of Brady's hands. He'll make plays when he obviously needs to make plays. They've got a stable of five really good running backs that they can use. Burkhead, James White, Damian Harris out of Alabama, Brandon Bolden in the back end, and the most dangerous one of all, somebody Michelle, looks really, really good. I I just can't see how this team doesn't win the division and probably ends up back up in the AFC championship game, probably beating Kansas City. But you know what? Stranger things have happened, and I'm sorry to say it, but the dynasty continues. <laughs> the sixth is going up on Sunday night. Don't think. And and here's the other thing, kicker Aaron, real quick. Yeah. They have the softest schedule in the league. Of course season. they do. Of course they do. Why why would why
0: why they just won the Super Bowl? I mean and, and, and like I said, Dan and I get along very well and I think he's there's a reason why I wanted him on the on the on the podcast here today, degree of difficulty, because the guy knows his stuff, he's good at what he does. But if I have to say there's one maybe character flaw that Dan Zampano has, the fact <laughs> that he's a New England Patriot fan. But I've I've met worse. I will say I've met worse Patriot fans and so I, I had to get his thoughts on that. I mean, as a New York Jet fan um, <clears throat> I'm not as bad as, uh, as Beningo when it comes to 50 years, but <laughs> I'm definitely up there with, uh, you know, the heartbreak and the tears and the uh, and the pain and the all oh, the pain and all of that. So Don't
1: and, tell me you don't hang on to that Mark Sanchez victory. Oh, dude, I, I hang on to
0: that. I hang on to th- I watch that every single year before the season starts. Just so <laughs> you know, I can't lie. I watched the. they have it on YouTube. The NFL mic'd up where they had Algie Crumpler mic'd up and they had, like, Rex oh. Ryan mic'd up, and I watched that ad. I watched that last week in the shower. I was in the shower getting ready to go to work. And I was like, you know what? I need this. I need this to pick
1: me up right now. <laughs> so, I'll never forget Antonio Holmes' feet getting down. I just said, oh, my God. I was, I was actually, when death. that
0: game happened, I was actually living in Charlotte uh, at the time. And I remember that game for one reason and one reason only. Because I, when David Harris picked off Tom Brady in the first mm. quarter, I jumped out of my chair in the living room. I didn't sit back down until the game was over. I, <laughs> I paced. You would have thought I had a, had a, had somebody in in like the emergency room or something. I had like had my girlfriend pregnant. Like I was I was pacing back and forth. I was like hyperventilating. My mom came into the room and looked at me and said, "You know, it's just a game, right?" I said, "No. They embarrassed us on Monday night. I need this." <laughs> forty forty two to three. Like four weeks earlier. I can't. I, the most shocking playoff loss in Patriot is. See, that was, I will admit, that was for me when the hatred for Tom Brady got cemented, when he was yelling at the sidelines of the Jets, as, as I, I believe it was, um, uh, I forgot who, maybe like Aaron Hernandez or something, or, or Gronk was running down the sidelines. And I just remember Brady looking at Rex and yelling I was like, you know what? I really don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I said you I told everybody you, else in the mountains for outside New England. I mean, I've said it. I, I've said it on this podcast before. Like my dad is a, a diehard Oakland Raiders fan. He's been a Raiders fan his whole life, and he used to always talk about how he hated John Elway. And I never understood. I was like, John Elway's a great quarterback. John Elway won two Super Bowls. Everyone loves John Elway. How can you hate John Elway? And then Tom Brady came along, and I said, you know, I get it.
1: I I completely get it.
0: Yep. <laughs> Respect
1: you gotta the guy. to have somebody. Hey, I, I have. Listen, Eli Manning is 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 certainly number one on my list.
0: Yeah, we all have him. Yeah, no, nah, and I, I've I've talked to a couple Giant fan, uh, Patriot fans that say the same thing. And my brother's a diehard Giant fan, and he every time something happens with the with the Patriots, he goes, that just makes Eli Super Bowl wins that much sweeter, and you know gives oh, his my. uh gives his <laughs> Hall of Fame resume a couple more stars on it.
1: Listen, we're halfway we're at the halfway point between the kind of Connecticut where we have to hear both sides of it, so you know, you probably have to hear that the worst is a Jets fan, hearing from the Giants fan, his big brother, and hearing from the Patriots fan that kind of, you know, kick you in the teeth all the time. So oh, yeah, I no. kind of feel bad for the Jets fan. No,
0: yeah. I said I, I, remember it's, it's, I remember sitting down watching the game with my brother a couple years ago around Christmas time, talking junk on on a third and about 17 from the one-yard line. about 30 seconds later, Victor Cruz is dancing in the end zone. And my brother <laughs> standing over me. Yeah! So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of rough. But, you know, I believe it will happen one day. The Jets will will have their Canyon of Champions going down New York City, and I will be there. I will be there with my cane in my wheelchair with my six grandchildren, but I will yeah, be there. I was
1: going to say, when will you do it, like, when you're, like, you know, 85 to 85, 90 years old? Is that what we're
0: talking about? It, it'll happen, and I'll think of all the Jet fans that that were there to uh, to witness it and, and all the ones that couldn't be there. But, then I got to get, before I let you go here, buddy, I got to get your playoff teams and I said I'm putting you on the spot a little bit but give me your division winners in the AFC and in the NFC give me the wild cards and give me your
1: Super Bowl prediction all right so basically we do this already on grind time we actually did the episode of this so you can go back and listen to it in more detail if you want but I'll give it to you straight right here. The AFC East, we know where the AFC East is going. i got the Patriots right now uh, sitting at the top of that, obviously. The AFC South, I was rolling with the Houston Texans before. Luck retired. I'm rolling with them again. I really think that they have the best roster, even though with the the JV Clowney trade, I think that they add a couple of pieces of Laramie Tunsil and they get that offensive line better. I think they they win that division. I do think in the AFC North, it's going to be close. And I might be being crazy here. I think the Steelers and the Browns finish with the best records in those divisions. I think the Browns went on tiebreakers. I think they get the division done. I do think the Steelers and the Ravens will be in the playoffs, though. I think those are your two wildcard teams, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And then I have Kansas City uh, obviously winning the AFC West. And maybe a surprise is that the Chargers, I think the Chargers are going to have a step back in that AFC. In the mm-hmm. NFC, uh, listen, it's all Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia. Like they're the second best run organization in, in in the NFL in my eyes. They are really, really loaded at every position, very deep, and it's all gonna it's all gonna hinge on Carson Wentz. But I think Philadelphia wins that division. The a- the NFC South. I'm giving it back to New Orleans. Look, that team's hungry. They've getting, they've gotten screwed two years in a row in the playoffs. I uh, I think they're gonna be really motivated. NFC North. I'm going Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the best, most talent of any team uh, roster-wise. I think they have the best roster in in football. I really do. They have a really deep team. I, I think they'll they'll finally get over the hump, and Kirk Cousins will get them to the playoffs. And I got the uh, the Rams uh, kind of by default here. I think the Rams are still a lot of talent on that team. Uh, your NFC uh, wild cards. I'm giving one to the Chicago Bears. I think that they have a really good defense, and look, they coming off of a of division championship. I I think they'll replace Fangio with Chuck Pagano as, as defensive coordinator and be okay. And then I'm giving one to the Dallas Cowboys. Man, I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys will make the will make the wild card. And uh, actually, I, I think they're going to play Philly in the first round of the playoffs. To be quite honest, with you. so those are my playoff teams. You want uh, my Super Bowl prediction, I assume. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, so here it goes. You know, I think I might surprise some people, but you know, listen. When we come to Super Bowls and, and we talk about the Patriots and, and can they keep doing this and all that jazz, at some point, when I, when I watched the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago and that final drive where Tom Brady has a chance to go down and Brandon, Ingram, Brandon Graham gets the sack and the forced fumble and, and the Patriots end up losing the game, at that point, in the beginning of that drive, before all that happened, I said to myself, you know what? At some point, the wall of averages has to weigh in here. We can't just keep winning this way. I mean, it's it's crazy how we keep doing this. At some point, something's got to give. And I had a very negative thought, and it probably brought upon the Brandon Graham uh so, I am going to give you another Patriots negative thought. I think the Chiefs beat them in the AFC Championship game. And I think the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes begins to take over this league as the next big superstar. And there's a superstar that he's going to play with them, the next big guy. Because I've believed in him since the beginning Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. I've got them in the Super Bowl. And I've got Eagles, Chiefs. And I'm taking Philadelphia to begin their next dynasty. They will be the next dynasty in football. The Philadelphia Eagles this year, Super Bowl champion.
0: I actually kind of like that. I'm going to pin that in the uh, in the old archives here to make sure that, you know, I, when it comes up or if it comes up, that you're the first person that I call to get back on here. You called it here in September before the season started, the Tuesday before the season started, Casey in Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. So I got to give you one bonus what do you got my, uh, got my Jets doing this year?
1: Listen, I, 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 listen, I knew it was sure coming. I went you knew it was looked. coming. Before, before I called, before you called, I wanted to make sure that I went back and I looked and see what I had. And personally, the Jets' biggest game this season is week one at home against Buffalo. Because if they don't win this game, they might end up 0-6. They have a brutal beginning to their schedule. They've got New England twice. They've got Dallas. They've got Philadelphia. They've got they've got Cleveland. They've got a brutal schedule. So if they can win this week, I think they'll manage to the storm in the next couple of weeks. I think the Jets can go eight and eight. I really do. I think they got a cupcake schedule of the back half of their schedule. It's it's really some really bad teams. I got the Jets going eight and eight, missing out on a wild card, but being just good enough to be like, yeah, you know, maybe they're one year away. So. We'll see. It all hinges on Sam Donald, though.
0: We got to see how Sam Donald plays. And that's uh, that's a, I, I can okay. I'm okay with eight and eight because I had them at the at the absolute peak. 10 and 6. I don't think they're going to get any better than 10 and 6. I'm an optimist. But I got them at like 9 and 7, 10 and 6. But realistically, I do think 7 and 9, 8 and 8 is probably where they end up. But I just had to pick your brain on that one. So, uh, And, yes, the the top half of the Jets schedule is absolutely brutal. Like I'm going to be banging my head against the desk for the first couple of weeks of the season.
1: Just remember when they're 1 and 6, don't worry about it because they do have some
0: easy games. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And that just means that uh, they're going to be one in six, win five straight games and make me think they're going to go to the playoffs and then break my heart at the end of the season. That's all that means. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's just that's how that works, that's yeah, that's how just, works. Exactly. That's just how it works. But Dan Zampano, thank you so much for coming on here. DJZ Grind Time Sports. They do a great job over there. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter. Grind Time underscore sports. I got that right, Dan? Yes, sir. Absolutely. They do a really great job. Make sure you listen to their podcast, listen to them when they are on air, uh, and just some of the good, some great guys over there. And they really do a lot of good work, and I'm uh, glad that Dan could uh, come on here and uh, talk with me. So I appreciate you coming on, Dan. Thank you.
1: Aaron, you are the man. God bless you. You're doing You're doing great work, obviously. And, uh, you know, once an owl, always an owl. So uh, hopefully we'll meet each other down the line and get to talk again.
0: Oh, absolutely. You are always welcome here on Degree of Difficulty. And thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you rocking with me wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, All of that good stuff. Again, we're going to be off for the rest of the week. I'll be back next week. Going to definitely dive into a lot of the NFL. Week one is going to be over. Pray to God my Jets get their first win. Uh, But make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us five stars. Goes a very long way. Allows me to keep doing what I'm doing. Love it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Grid Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. Appreciate you rocking with me. Have a good night.